Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Psachim, daf Kuf Yud Aleph, 111. We're, what, 10 days out from the end of the Masachat. Uh, come join us in our Zoom. Come talk and enjoy. Participate. We're looking forward to seeing you. Our Gemara has a number of different component parts, as usual, or at least this one is as usual. And some of these details here are, again, a little bit difficult to our modern sensibilities, a little bit uh, foreign to the way we think about things. I'm going to focus on just one little passage, but it's coming on the heels of, you know, more other uh, details that are, as I say, a little bit foreign to our modern sensibilities in terms of what is considered, I guess, what is considered acceptable and what might have negative consequences that we would never consider um, outside of the pages of this Gemara, which certainly influenced plenty of people's activities. Tana Rabbanan, Shlosha ein mimatzin velo mitmatzin ve'elohim ha'kelev v'hadekel v'aisha. So the Gemara says as follows. Chazal say there are three objects, three items, I guess the objects is not the right uh, word, three things that should not be allowed to pass between two people. Namely, if you're walking along the road, and then you would have to walk between two of these things, don't do that. What are these two things? What are these three things that you shouldn't walk between two of them? A dog, a palm tree, and a woman. Meaning, two dogs that you would walk in between the two of them, two palm trees that you would walk in between the two of them, and two women that walk between the two of them. There are those who add to this list also a pig. The Yeshimrim Afan Achash, and there are those who would add also a snake. And the rationale that's provided here is that all of these are associated in one way or another with witchcraft, which I find to be fascinating for many reasons. The most basic of which is that when I first learned this issue of not of a man not walking between two women, I must have been in high school. I for sure was in high school. And it was presented, or perhaps I just inferred that it was an a concern of tzniut, right, of modesty, that it would not be appropriate, let's say, for a male rabbi to walk between the two of the high school girls, let's say, and people would have to, you know, they'd all, like, step back a bit so that there would no be, it wouldn't be like a an aisle formed by the girls for the rabbi to walk between. Um, and according to this Gemara, that conception, and again, I don't want to blame anybody for giving to me other than myself, it's just kind of the default assumption that I made was that it was about modesty. In this case, it's about witchcraft. I'm not sure that that's any better, um, but it it puts it in a very, very different context as far as the Gemara itself is concerned. And this is, of course, the rest of the context on the daf that I said is you know, a little bit far into what we know. Um, so then the Gemara con- continues and says, What can you do, right? If somebody does walk between two of these, uh, again, it's hard to know what to call them, two of these things, then what are you going to do? What, how do you prevent there from being any harm that might come from this uh, passage? Amar of Papa, Niftach, Ba'el, V'nafsik, Ba'el. So Rav Papa says he should recite a verse that begins with the name of the word God and concludes, uh, and, you know, concludes with a verse that ends with the word of God. Specifically, God who brought them out of Egypt is for them like the lofty horns of the wild ox, for there is no enchantment with Yaakov, nor is there any divination with Israel. Now it is said of Yaakov and of Israel, 
what has been performed by God. Meaning, again, it opens with God and it closes with God. And this is a verse from Midbar Numbers, uh, chapter 23. And the idea being here, of course, that spells do not affect the Jewish people, that any such concerns of magic that might befall somebody who would walk between two dogs or two palm trees or two women or perhaps two pigs or perhaps two snakes, these should never affect Bnei Israel in any case. So, of course, this begs the question, because if it doesn't affect Bnei Israel, you should not need to recite a verse as an antidote to having done so, because the spells are never going to affect you anyway, because that is not how God runs the world. And the idea that witchcraft would get in the way of God is, of course, the whole point, meaning don't think that that can happen. Um, so there's uh, the Gemara continues and said there's a uh, another verse you could use instead, which is another you know it's right after that. No, I'm sorry, it's right before that. Also in Bamidbar of Gimel Numbers 23, but instead of verses 22 to 23, this is verse 19. It's again basically the same idea, but it, it says that um, it begins with the word lo, right? That no, and it ends with the word no. And the idea there is again that you've got this verse that's going to ward off any potential damage that might that you might have incurred from this passage um so the Gemara goes on to talk about what happens if a man walks between two menstruating women right the the cases get more dramatic perhaps we could say and i think that we can pause at this point uh, just to raise the fact that this idea of how one conducts oneself can you can trip yourself up with regard to issues that were considered witchcraft back in the day um, that are would not be on our radar were it not for this Gemara. And I'm sure there are people who really do some of these things, like they make sure not to walk in between some of these things. I mean, you know, I don't have much more insight into the staff, again, the way the previous staff. I think it's just sharing with us a particular way of how many Amorayim, you know, view the world and some of these issues around, you know, certain superstitions or uh, demons or things that were bad luck, um, you know, but I'm, I don't know any of those people in, but I'm sure we can, you know, we have some of those in practice now. Like, you know, you, you know, those people who always said, like, my grandmother said, don't walk over my legs. And if you walk over my legs, you need to walk back over them or you won't grow anymore. Um, but these are very held beliefs by grow. people. I know, I know. Right. Seriously, listen. There's all kinds of lines that kids throw around, and where they come from, I don't even know. But kids have, like, I know the people that I met. Let's say as a teen, knew the same superstitions that I'd heard as a as a kid, even though they grew up in different parts of the United States or even in England. Right. Meaning the 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 commonality. I don't know where they all come from. Right. And I don't know that there's any truth to any of it or if there's truth to all of it for that matter. Right. And what I always wonder is this. Meaning I don't really think. Yeah. But this type of view of the world, is this more a way of us pretending that there's some control that we have? But again, I'm open to that. There's some real truth to some of these things. Just before you go on, I just want to say one thing about these verses, right? These two verses from Bamidbar that are used, whether it begins and ends with the name of God or begins and ends with the word no. The idea that there is an antidote to the concern of the superstition of witchcraft, I think, is a really important statement that the Gemara is making. You know, to some degree, there's a there's a Tanur 
don't do this. And then there's uh, the next step is, and also, by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't really have impact on you anyway. So I feel like there really is a cultural norm that the Gemara perhaps is contending with that is why we can have it all jumbled now because the Gemara really does give us both sides of that discussion, both sides of the, the message about these superstitions or, or concerns. Right, and I think we see this in this story also like a different layer of that that I want to share. And this is a story of a bunch of, of um, Amurayim walking together somewhere in Amudbet. Abai Havashakil Azil. Right, so Abai was coming and walking on the street, and Rav Papa was on his right, and Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, was on his left. So he sees this Kitav Meriri, right? So the Kitav Meriri is interesting, a, a demon that in the paragraph before, in the Gemara, the line before in the Gemara, is a demon that they say specifically mentioned uh, in the Torah itself. Apparently it's mentioned in a Pasuk in Devarim in Parak Lamed Gimel, um, uh, Pasuk uh, Chafdalid. Um, and so he saw this type of, he saw the demon itself. Um, and so what does he do? And so what he does is that he sort of switched Rav Papa to his left and Rav Huna quickly to his right. He told him to switch positions. Sorry. Amar le Rav Papa, so Rav Papa says to him, Anamai shnad lelocha shashli. So Rav Papa says to Abaye, what's different that you weren't concerned about possible harm for me? In other words, pres- presumably, the idea is, is that the person who was on the left was not going to be harmed, and Rav Papa, who was on the right, was going to be, sorry, the person on the left would be harmed, and the person who was on the right would not be harmed. And so he switched them, so Rav Papa's now on the left, and he's now going to be harmed. Amar le, at sha'at kame lach. So he basically says, like, you are, the time is in your favor. And so some of the commentators, uh, you know, basically say here that the thinking is, is that, um, you know, maybe he he was wealthy or he was like a person who had a history of being uh, sort of very fortunate. And uh, he wasn't, you know, a buy in a way thought like, you know, he's going to sort of be okay. He wasn't like particularly uh, concerned. Um, about this. Um, and just to go back to um, this actual Pasuk of like, because I also was intrigued. So one, well, before I do the Pasuk, the thing that I was interested about here is that there's sort of an acknowledgement that like some people, I guess, are more susceptible to the damages of the demon um, and that some people aren't. Some people seem to be better protected for whatever reason it is. Again, it's not totally clear what that is, but it seems to just say that like, you know, Rav Papa is better protected. If you look in that actual Pasuk in Devarim itself, and I'm just going to read it, it's in Hazinu, um, it's at the end of Devarim, and it says, right, wasting famine, ravaging plague, and that's how, you know, and and deadly pestilence. So that's the English interpretation here that I found in Safaria, um, but it's basically talking about, like, the punishments that Hashem will send in Israel. Right. And fanged, uh, fanged beasts. Right. Right. And I will let them loose again to you with feminist creepers and dust. So it's interesting that, you know, the the English translation seems to be that it's like pestilence, but it, it has that word. Kitab Muriri, um, you know, is specifically, uh, you know, what we the, what we have, uh, what we have in our um, in our Gemara here. Um, Rashi writes actually there that it means a destruction that's caused by a demon. 
right? He actually quotes this um, here and that Kitab actually using a Pasuk in Hosea means like cutting off or destruction, that that's really the word. So it's some type of demon called Mariri that, that causes some type of destruction or something like that. But it's really interesting to see that they're even giving like a biblical text proof for the idea that demons actually exist. I also find it interesting that there's all this wordplay, you know, that it's not surprising. It's just, I just think it's interesting that it comes into play in, this is otherwise a pretty serious contention, right? A pretty serious concern. And then there's this kind of like, well, if you say it this way, or if you use it the word that way, you know, it just kind of jumped out at me as lighter, I guess, in tone than the rest it's just an impression interesting yeah i didn't i don't know i it, to me but the whole story with abai like where he switches their place like it shows they really keep this like they take this very very seriously yes yes that's it's clear that i don't know that all of Chazal did but the people on this right. stuff and, and again clearly it's did. interesting to see the same way we've been talking about sort of how meals have been a model of how to learn what do you do at a meal the brachot the order of things so here also in Kofiud and Kofiud Aleph, there's a lot of stories where they're sort of bringing proofs of like, this incident happened, that incident happened, and that's sort of how I know that these demons actually exist. But then still interwoven into it, there's still like this little element of like, you know, here where they talk about that there's a specific demon that's named in Devarim. On Kup Tet, where that discussion began, right, where, you know, Rav Nachman brings a proof text to say, oh, but it's Leil Shimarim, so you're okay, you're protected, from the pairs. And it's just, it's interesting to see them sort of like go back to the text to sort of incorporate this worldview. Like it it isn't just superstition. Like it's part of the, it's part of the Torah itself. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think the verse that that the Gemara says that that attests to the fact that there's a demon in the Chumash, I think can be interpreted in other ways. Right. So so I, I, it's an interesting point you're making. I will have to think. Yeah, about I, I understand what you're saying, but I just think the idea that like, it's sort of this integration between stories, text proof, like this is not, it's a fundamental belief. It's not a superstition. And so I, I, even though I've used the word superstition a few times, as I reflect on that, I'm not sure that that's a fair or an appropriate use of the word for seeing how fundamental of a belief this actually was uh, for a large part of Chazal. It's also interesting that, like, nowadays we might have this knee-jerk negative reaction that would say, like, what do you mean? That's antithetical to the idea of monotheism because we've been so influenced by Maimonidean thinking and, and you know, for that matter, Greek philosophy and monotheism, right? But for them, I think that I, it's I totally not a contradiction at all. I very comfortable with that. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. I think after tomorrow we will not be talking about demons or any of these types of beliefs anymore. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff and some of the ideas that it introduces on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. <laughs>